I think that we're probably all aware of the cliche of a fire and brimstone preacher. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? A fire and brimstone preacher. You might see them in the movies. They're usually men up there high on the pulpit. They're yelling loudly, usually at the congregation, talking about damnation, talking about judgment, oftentimes waving their hands and oftentimes red in the face. So don't worry, I'm not about to become a fire and brimstone preacher. Maybe not yet, not just joking. Um, I won't become a fire and brimstone preacher. And I think we're all aware that perhaps that's not the best way of doing things as it relies more on fear than it does love. And something about a fire and brimstone preacher makes us feel uncomfortable because somehow it seems like the gospel, the good news, gospel means good news, is absent. Where is the love? Where is the mercy that Jesus preaches about so often? With this in mind, with our kind of hesitancy when we consider fire and brimstone preachers, today's gospel can be a bit startling because Jesus sounds a bit like a fire and brimstone preacher, doesn't he? Jesus talks about this interesting parable uh, in the gospel today. Jesus talks about a master who leaves and puts his servants in charge. Now, some of the servants are doing as the master wants, but other of the servants, thinking that the master is delayed in returning, start to do terrible things, start to beat the other servants. And we hear from Jesus some very strong language about what the master will do when they return. We hear news of servants who are evil being cut up in pieces, some servants receiving a severe beating, others getting away with a less severe beating. If this is not fire and brimstone, I don't know what is. So what can we make of this? What is Jesus doing in today's gospel? Why does Jesus speak about judgment in this way? Can we see Jesus's message about judgment also in terms of being good news, in terms of being gospel? Although at first glance, the gospel today can seem quite harsh, when we look a bit deeper, it truly is good news, this discussion of judgment. It is good news for those who have followed the way that Jesus lays out. And we see in today's gospel that Jesus says good things will come to those who are ultimately following what he has commanded. In other words, for those who have followed Christ, the judgment is nothing to be feared, but something to be looked forward to with hope. In fact, for early Christians, one of the most important refrains or short prayers that they would say is Maranatha, which in Aramaic is, Come Lord Jesus. Early Christians prayed that Jesus would return soon because they had this expectation that when Jesus came back, when there would be a judgment, Jesus would give them wonderful things. And we hear about this in the gospel. It's actually quite radical. We hear this story of a master who returns and the master gives or rewards the servants who have done what the master says by waiting on the servants. The tables are kind of turned. The master waits on the servant. And this is as startling at the time of Jesus as it is for us now. Imagine, for example, of a CEO of like a global company going in kind of secretly to the different production lines of the factories throughout the world identifying those workers who have done a good job, taking those workers, putting them on a private jet, flying them somewhere beautiful, and treating these workers to a nice holiday where the CEO wades hand and foot on the workers and prepares them wonderful meals. It seems quite extraordinary, doesn't it? But this ultimately is what Jesus is saying he will do for us. 
At the judgment, Jesus has wonderful things in store for those who follow him. Eternal life with the blessed Trinity, pure happiness, pure joy. So we need to keep this in mind, I think, first and foremost, that Jesus' talk of judgment is good news, is something positive for those who are following Christ. On top of this, the judgment that Jesus speaks about is also good news or something positive for those who have been persecuted and downtrodden. Judgment is a good thing because ultimately it means that wickedness will come to an end, that evil in the end will not win. Throughout the Bible, we see many biblical writers kind of grasping or struggling with a paradox. And the paradox is this. People in the Bible, the authors would look out at the world and they would see that good people often suffer. And on the other hand, wicked people often prosper. And people wondered in the Bible why this was the case. We can look at the book of Ecclesiastes, for example. It just didn't make sense to people. It seemed to go against God's justice, God's goodness. And these questions would naturally arise in the mind of the people of Israel. Because when we look at the people of Israel and their history, they were a people who experienced a lot of persecution, a lot of oppression. When we look at their history, they were oppressed by one empire after another. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Persia, Greece, and finally at the time of Jesus, the Roman Empire. The people of Israel suffered much persecution. They were not able to practice their faith. At times they were exiled. At times many were killed. Because of this, they cried out to God, wondering when justice would be done, when evil ultimately would come to an end. And we too can feel the same way. When we look out at the world, we too can think that sometimes people who do evil things seem to prosper. We can see, for example, countries who use their power to oppress minority groups within their countries. Or we can think of corporations who greedily take from the poor just to produce more profit. When we consider it this way, the judgment, the coming back of Jesus is ultimately good news as well for those who are suffering, for those who are poor, for those who have been downtrodden. It means that evil doesn't have the last word. Ultimately, God's love and God's justice will prevail, and this is good news. The central message of the gospel, ultimately, is that we should always be ready to meet Jesus Christ. In other words, we should live each day as though it were our last. We do not know the hour or the day when Jesus comes. And again, at first glance, this can be quite grim, or this can seem like a gloomy message. But really, in reality, when we're able to live more and more in this way, we ultimately end up living our best life. Some years ago, I think in 2007, a movie was released called The Bucket List, starring Jack Nicholson and Morgan Freeman. Now, it's by no means a perfect movie, but I think it has a kind of some interesting points for the gospel today. So, in this movie, the two stars in the movie play characters who are diagnosed with terminal cancer. They're told that they only have a few months to live. Now, because one of the characters happens to be a multi-millionaire, the two characters are able to go on this incredible journey, traveling throughout the world, doing the things they always wish they had done in their life. In other words, kind of ticking off their bucket list. Now, again, it's not the perfect movie, but the message is interesting. 
because by the end of the movie, the characters come to the conclusion that they should always have lived in this way. They should always have lived kind of to create, not leaving a bucket list to the end of their life, but living to do the most important things in their life here and now. Living, in other words, in a way that recognizes that time is short, that time is limited. As followers of Christ, we are called to have this same sort of mentality, to live with the recognition that life is short, and therefore to live our best life. But our bucket list, hopefully, should be a bit different. In the movie, we see the characters doing things like skydiving, okay, maybe might be kind of interesting, but we as Christians have other bucket lists or things that we should be doing before Christ comes back. Forgiving people and reconciling with people with whom we become estranged. Being generous with our time, talents, and treasures. Growing closer to Jesus Christ, the one who gives us life. The gospel teaches us that we can live our best life if we recognize that our life is short. We should try to live in the spirit that we're ready to greet Christ any time. Ultimately then, perhaps we should leave the fire and brimstone preaching to Jesus because it's a difficult thing to preach about judgment, but present it as good news. It seems perhaps that only Christ can do this. It is good news that we ultimately will come to judgment with Jesus, that he will reward those who have followed him, that evil will come to an end. It's good news, but at the same time, for me at least, it's something that can seem overwhelming, that can seem fearful. If I were to think, for example, if Jesus were to turn back or to return today, there'd be a lot of things in my life that I wish I had changed. So to prevent ourselves from becoming overwhelmed, we can remind ourselves of the adage that Desmond Tutu used to uh, repeat oftentimes. He used to say, the only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. The only way to eat an elephant is one bite at a time. That means we can make progress just by making small steps. So perhaps today, as we contemplate the gospel, we can ask ourselves, what's maybe one thing that Jesus might be asking me to work on in this coming week? And we can, in this coming week, try to work on this one change Christ must, might be calling us to make. But most of all, we can remind ourselves that Jesus is a judge, yes, but Jesus is ultimately a merciful judge. He's a judge who's given his life for us. He loves us entirely. He's patient with us, and he understands us and will guide us.